Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Andrew Cuomo talks about the state of the city, the state of the state, and a nation in crisis. You really get to see people and get to see character when things get hard. And when the pressure is on is when you really get to see true colors and see what they're made of. And you see the best and the worst of humanity. A nation in crisis. Now, here's Andrew Cuomo. Well, this is John Katzmatidis, and we're back. And uh, this is uh, the Andrew Cuomo, Governor Andrew Cuomo interview, take two. And uh, uh, we're here. We're, we got a nation, a nation in crisis. We got uh, a state in crisis, a city in crisis. And we're all, we're, well, every American is worried about what the heck is going on in our city, state, and country. And uh, Governor Cuomo, welcome back to the studio. Thank you, John. Pleasure to be back. Last week, uh, we did an interview last Friday on another special show, and uh, the amount of publicity, the amount of reaction, I I think I must have gotten 70 different newspaper articles. Uh, Tell us about uh, uh, your reaction and people have called you. Uh, Well, John, I can tell you this. You have a large listenership because I heard about it from people uh, all over the state. Uh, but I think what they what they were reacting to, John, was people are concerned. They know we have problems. They know we're in crisis, and they want honest conversation and straight talk. And that's what we gave them. And that's what it's all about. You know, uh, I, I've said that this morning. I was on with Sid. We got criticized uh, by a few uh, people. I said I believe in common sense. I believe in you know middle of the road. You know, the, the old-fashioned way, uh, Governor, was Republicans, Democrats, we used to fight with each other. But at the end of the day, we'd go out and have a beer with each other and work things out. And it seems like somewhere along the ri- line, uh, we went wrong. Yeah. Well, at what point did you just, you know, Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton, our old friend, they didn't like each other, but they worked hard. They 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 screamed at each other, and they took the deficit from five and a half trillion down to five, and that never happened before. The deficit never ever went down, but that's what about calling Democrats and Republicans working to each other. Where did we go wrong? Yeah, no, John, I think you're hitting a fundamental point. Uh, it's it's the entire political system is now factionalized and segregated. And I don't know when it happened that uh, we're in silos. You're a Democrat. You're a Republican. uh, You're a liberal. You're a conservative. And by the way, uh, the other people are bad. They're bad. If if you're a Republican and you disagree with me as I'm a Democrat, that makes you bad. Uh, you watch Fox TV. I watch MSNBC. It's like Yankees and uh, the Red Sox, right? <laughs> you wear one jersey or the other. Uh, you know, we had two mayors in a row that were Red Sox fans. 
I know. How crazy. Uh, how crazy in can New that York. be? How can New York vote for mayors that were Red Sox yeah. fans? I don't know that the, they said that before they were elected, though, John. But, but you know, and it even we it came up on, on your show. Uh, well, conservatives should only talk to conservatives. Look, if we can't talk to each other, we have real trouble. And I think uh, that's part of what's driving these extremes now, right? Republicans just talk to Republicans. Democrats just talk to Democrats. Uh, Well, then there is no balance. There is no open-mindedness. And that's why you see uh, these wild extremes on both sides, wild right extremes, 15 votes to get uh, McCarthy elected, and wild left extremes. Uh, There is no dialogue between the parties, between people. And it's getting worse. Everybody has their own media. Everybody has their own newspaper. Everybody has their own website. It's all self-selecting, and it's all self-reinforcing. And it's making it harder for people to actually come to agreement, uh, reach a compromise. And I love these. uh, I was listening to a conservative talk show. Uh, Well, we should only – we shouldn't talk to Democrats. Look, go back – to what made this country this country. Go back to Hamilton and Adams and Jefferson. They didn't agree on anything. They couldn't agree if we should be in urban society, a rural society, uh, slavery, non-slavery. They agreed on nothing. But they agreed that they were Americans, and that was the only unifying concept, and they would sit there and they would work it out. We don't work out anything anymore. Where did we go wrong? Was it the last 10 years, last 15 years? I think it's been growing. Uh, I think it's it's a chicken and an egg. Which came first, the polarization in society or the polarization in the political process? Uh, but uh, I've never seen it. I've never seen it this bad. And look, uh, I was governor. I had a Republican Senate for most of my term, and we worked uh, well together. We sat down, we talked it out, we disagreed on things, but we found the commonality. I was in the federal mm-hmm. government. I was HUD secretary. Uh, I worked with senators and Congress people from all across the nation. Uh, of course, you don't agree with everything, but you me. find out what you what where the commonality is, and that's where you go, and you have the willingness and the openness to have the conversation. Nobody knows everything. Nobody's right all the time, John. Well, you know, I believe in common sense Democrats. I believe in common sense They want state lawmakers to approve it. And, uh, and I, I'm just trying to figure out where do these people I, – I, I hate extremism in any direction. I hate extremism on the right. I hate extremism on the extreme left. Uh, where do these people come from? I think part of it is – because the conversation has been within each group, right? Democrats talk to Democrats, Republicans talk to Republicans. So the differentiation has been the extremity of it. And it doesn't even make sense. I mean, I'll I'll take my own party. Uh, The extreme left, they're progressives. What does that even mean, progressives? Uh, They don't even have a definition for it. You're progressive. Teddy Roosevelt was the first progressive. Wilson was a progressive. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was a progressive. You know, they don't even know what they're arguing about. But let's take, let's take a specific. Uh, 
Nashville, Tennessee. Another school shooting. Another school shooting, Nashville, Tennessee. And what happens? The same thing. Politicians, we offer thoughts and prayers. By the way, they're not priests. They're not ministers. They're not imams. uh, They're not employed to offer thoughts and prayers. They're they're employed to get something done with government, right? Uh, The House Judiciary Committee, because of Nashville, postpones a hearing on guns because of Nashville. They should have done the exact opposite. That should have been a moment where you said, you know what? Enough is enough. Let's sit down at the table. Let's find out what we agree on. Let's pass an assault weapon ban. And assault, assault weapons, John, you take the extremes out. The majority of this nation agrees with an assault weapon they ban. They do. They do. The assault weapon, you and I go hunting for birds yeah. in this state. I, I can't kill anything. I'm okay. sorry. Well, let's say we could. You know what I kill? I kill tans on the shelf or something. All right. If you went bird hunting, not, not us. Yes. Somebody goes bird hunting with a shotgun. You get three shells in your gun. You go deer hunting. You're allowed six bullets in your gun. But if you go hunting for school children, you can have 20 or 30 bullets. It makes no sense. Doesn't make no sense. We passed an assault weapon ban in 1994. The world didn't end. We have an assault weapon ban in the state of New York. Uh, I passed it. All these, oh, this slippery slope. This is going to happen. Second Amendment. Nothing happened. It's too dangerous. That is just a common sense reform that common sense, normal, reasonable people could make. Now, let's look at Nashville. That this person went out and bought, what, six, seven guns? The parents knew about it? And this person was, uh, what, a transgender? I mean, uh, uh, and she used to go to that school or he used to go to that school? And shot these beautiful nine-year-old kids. Look, the at least the police officers uh, in Nashville had, had the courage to go in there and save uh, those kids. Yes. A lot, a lot more kids would have died yes. if those police officers didn't have the courage. Yes. Yes. And they did a good job. They yes. were heroes. Yes, they are heroes. Uh, and they, they, they learned from the past because Valde, Texas, was very different. Uh, but, yes, now, look, the opposition will say, well, uh, it's the person who pulled the trigger. And that's the problem. Mental health, et cetera. Yeah, it's a mental health problem and an assault weapon, right? Uh, it's not a mental health problem. And a stone is not a mental health problem uh, and a bow and arrow. It's a mental health problem and an assault weapon that has a magazine capacity of 20 or 30 bullets. And think about this. 1939, we outlaw machine guns. Okay? NRA supported it, by the way. Why? Because we as a society said... It's too dangerous to take the risk. Maybe somebody who's mentally ill could get a machine gun and could be on a corner and could kill 100 people before anyone could do anything. So we outlawed machine guns. John, why, why can't we bring that same 
intelligent, rational thought today. A, a machine gun and an assault weapon are basically the same issue. Machine guns are a little faster, fully automatic. But, yes, a mentally ill person, nobody else is going to kill school children unless you're mentally ill. But why run the risk of having weapons that are so dangerous? You don't hunt with an assault weapon. Uh, you don't need it for self-defense. Uh, the majority of the Americans uh, would ban it. We have banned it, banned it in the past. It did work, uh, but we can't do it again. I mean, it's just, it makes absolutely no sense. I think most Americans believe that a waiting period before you get your license, uh, before you, you have a purchase order to, be able to buy a weapon, and um, how did this uh, uh, person, this transgender, obtain all those guns? Because uh, they, they are legal in most states to buy the guns. See, we passed the best gun safety law in the United States right here in the state of New York, and I'm proud of it, and I believe we saved many lives. But the reason why a state law doesn't work is because you can drive to another state, buy a gun, put it in your trunk, and drive to New York. That's why you need a federal law. Uh, And that's why we've been fighting so hard for a federal law. Uh, And, you know, my point to the president and the vice president and the senators and the congresspeople, no excuses. We know there's a difference of opinion. Put people in a room and figure it out. And don't come out until you figure it out because that's your job. And it's not good enough to say, well, you know what? We tried and we point fingers. It's your job to get it done. I'll tell you something else that I heard about uh, was the situation with the district attorney Bragg and uh, President Trump. Now, look at this. The, I believe, district attorney Bragg, Manhattan district attorney, uh, is uh, somewhat over his skis in the case that he brought against Trump. You have many neutral, qualified legal commentators uh, who would say that, uh, that it's only a misdemeanor under state law and he's going to need a federal charge, but the federal government reviewed it and didn't find the charge, and he's got some political issues. But then <laughs> President Trump... Uh, posts a picture of himself with a baseball bat talking about death and destruction, looking like Bull Connor. I mean, uh, you couldn't have a more offensive uh, photo or statement than President Trump, baseball bat. You have a black prosecutor from Manhattan. Uh, There's going to be death and destruction. I mean, that's a crime in and of itself. And then he does an interview with Hannity, and he says in the interview, uh, I didn't post it. They put the picture together. And Hannity, who's his go-to guy, never asked the question, by the way, Mr. President, who is they? I think we have to take a break. Let's take a break. And when we come back, there's so many other questions, and there's so many phone calls that are trying to get through to us. And uh, we'll do come back right after the break. It's Andrew Cuomo, a nation in crisis on 77 WABC. 
Cuomo talks about the state of the city, the state of the state, and a nation in crisis. Now, here's Andrew Cuomo on 77 WABC. Well, we're back. This is John Katzmatidis, and uh, we're having a conversation, a conversation with all New Yorkers, all Americans. Uh, Governor, the number one issue right now uh, in New York City, New York State, is the bail law. What do I mean by the bail law? Law and order in our cities and our streets. And uh, what I told Sid this morning uh, on his show, we have 20 million New Yorkers, New York State, New York City, uh, they're paying the taxes. And I said, don't they deserve to be safe? We've had the police commissioner on the show. And she says that there's 2,000 to 3,000 violent, repeat, violent, repeat criminals. Why is Albany protecting the 3,000 repeat violent criminals versus 20 million New Yorkers that want to walk around safe? And one other thing is is the fact that uh, uh, it's just, it's out of control. The fear factor. Yeah, you know, people say, "Oh, crime is down." Yeah, nobody believes it. There's a when you talk to the average person on the street, there's a fear factor. Would you let your uh, three daughters go into the subway? Yeah. Or would you let them take you know public transportation? This morning, this PBS uh, news reporter was punched right in the mouth for no reason at all. Yeah. So what can we do about it? Yeah. John, I think you're 100% right. I think the future of this city rests on two issues, crime and taxes. Uh, I think that's what's driving people out of the city. Uh, and, and let's start with the facts. I have a podcast uh, on Apple called Facts Matter. Facts Matter, right? You can have your own opinion. You can't have your own facts. Uh, let's talk about bail first. Bail reform... Uh, I passed several years ago, and we needed bail reform. Why? Because uh, you could be a kid who was charged with a minor crime, set bail. If you couldn't pay bail because you didn't have the money and your parents didn't have the money, uh, then you wind up going to Rikers. And you could be in Rikers literally for two years before you get before a judge And you haven't done anything wrong that you've been convicted of, and it could be a minor crime. Uh, So that had to be reformed. And that was bail reform, and uh, it did a lot of good. Now, it was a major reform. And when you change the system that dramatically, then you have to watch the consequences of the change, uh, and you come back and you tweak it. And we've done that many, many times with many laws. My proposal for bail reform had a provision that said the judge can consider dangerousness of the offense. Uh, That was in my proposal. Uh, The legislature uh, didn't take that provision, uh, added a provision that said the judge must use the least restrictive means. Anyway, the way this works out, uh, it turns out that we do need the dangerousness standard. And I think uh, editorial boards agree. 
Uh, I think last year that was basically the consensus. The legislature doesn't want to do it. The governor supports it. Uh, I say to the governor, good for you. Uh, Stand your ground. They're in the middle of the budget. The governor has total leverage in the budget, says the the New York State Constitution. We need to get that dangerous standard back in the law. But, John, but people are now equating bail reform with crime, and that's wrong. If you reform bail tomorrow, the numbers are not going to change that much. Because that's not what's driving the numbers. We have a bigger problem on crime. And we have to be honest about it. Uh, Democrats just went through an election. They almost lost it here in the state because they wouldn't talk about crime. Uh, Lee Zeldin is almost governor of this state because Democrats couldn't say the word crime. I don't know where that came from. I mean, Democrats have always been in charge of big cities, et cetera. Crime has always been an issue. Uh, But they are unwilling to admit the issue of crime. Uh, Defund the police, the dumbest political statement made. Probably second only to Trump with a baseball bat. Uh, We need more police. We need better trained police, more respectful police. Governor, we're down to 32,500 police officers in New York City. Yes, they're quitting. And we need a better relationship with the police. Because what the police will say, and I have a lot of buddies who uh, are police officers, you know, they've gone through a lot from their point of view. And we need a relationship and reciprocity. We need a different emergency response system. Not every call should have a police officer with a gun. A lot of it is mental health. A lot of it is domestic violence. So that's what has to be addressed I've said for years we need more police on subways, not these stopgap measures. Uh, Full-time, full-time. You want people on public transportation, it has to be safe. But that's how you're going to make a difference in crime. It's not going to be bail, John. We need the dangerous standard. Uh, And I believe the governor can get it, and I believe the governor will get it. Uh, And and nice and clean, uh, just that way as giving judges back uh, discretion for dangerous people. But that is not the answer to crime. The answer to crime is bigger than that. If you take the dangerous people off the streets, New York people could walk to their restaurants, they could walk in their subways and take their subways and not have the fear factor. And I'm not talking about the person that steals a loaf of bread from, from one of my stores, Gristini's. You know, if the person is hungry, fine. I have no problem. Bail reform, you know, just slap them on the wrist and say, you know, take two loaves of bread next time. I don't care. But violent crimes that hurt people, those people might not may, may not be with civilization, civilized people. And we used to have 28,000 people in mentally uh, ill hospitals. And now they're down to nothing. What do we do about the mentally ill that we also call homeless? Yeah. No, John, it's, it winds up being all of the above. And that's why I say the problem you're seeing with bail reform is that the Democrats don't want to acknowledge the issue of crime. That's why they don't want to do bail reform. But carry that forward, that's why they don't want to hire more police. 
That's why they don't want to train more police. That's why they, they don't want to revamp the emergency response system. That's why we're not paying enough attention uh, on the quality of life issues. Homelessness is now a quality of life issue, not the way it was 10 years ago, John. There are really dangerous mentally ill people who are on the streets causing serious crimes. And the disconnect uh, between Albany and the people of this state. Uh, I saw a poll the other day, something like 90% said that crime is a major concern. Uh, And we have to get it. And we have to address it. We have to keep the people. They don't mind paying taxes, Governor, but we have to keep them safe. Uh, I hear from the control booth that we have to take another break. We're going to take another break. And the number one item I see on the board people trying to call in on is um, what, what's the issue? The, uh, the homes. Uh, let's look at the screen. Nursing homes. Nursing homes. Okay. So maybe we'll address it in the next uh, 15 minutes. Let's take a break and we'll be back. It's Andrew Cuomo, a nation in crisis on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Andrew Cuomo talks about the state of the city, the state of the state, and a nation in crisis. Now, here's Andrew Cuomo on 77 WABC. Well, this is John Katsimatidis, and we're continuing our conversation with former Governor Andrew Cuomo. And uh, the boards are lighting up, and the number one question, uh, uh, Governor Cuomo, is what happened? What happened with the nursing home crisis and and people are criticizing you, but I understand there's there's two sides to every story. Yeah, well, sometimes there's more. Uh, and and uh, I'm I'm glad to speak to you, John, because it's caused me uh, a great pain. Frankly, uh, the issue uh, has gotten very politicized. It was right through it, by the way, because it was in the middle of a presidential election. Uh, And then you have uh, people, in retrospect, who now see a different situation. Let's remember what happened. Uh, We were sitting here and we were looking at the West Coast and COVID started to appear in California and the state of Washington. And it was supposed to be coming from China, so that made sense. Flights from China come to the West Coast And it started in a nursing home is where it really hurt people in the state of Washington. And I remember Governor Jay Inslee uh, was was focused and and really revealed to the nation how COVID attacks the vulnerable and the vulnerable are, are in nursing homes and hospitals. But it was all the way on the other side of the country. Lo and behold, what really happened was it was in China. People from China went to Europe. The flights from Europe were coming to New York, JFK, Newark, et cetera. And COVID was here much, much earlier than anybody ever knew. Uh, and where does COVID go? It goes into the nursing homes because that's where the vulnerable are. Now, it's a political season and the president is running and the president says, COVID, you know who's to blame? The governor's. Uh, and especially the Democratic governors 
they're to blame for COVID and they're to blame for nursing home deaths. Uh, and then they, they say the hospitals sent people to nursing homes who had COVID and the nursing homes had to take these people with COVID. Lie. John, lie. I don't use that word lightly. No nursing home in the state of New York must accept any payment, a patient. And as a matter of fact, the law is the exact opposite. A nursing home cannot accept a patient unless they have the ability to properly care for that patient within their population. So any nursing home can say, I can't take that patient. That patient has COVID. Any nursing home must say, if they're not able to take a person and protect the rest of their resident population. Uh, So it's just, it was a lie that they made up. And then we had people working in these nursing homes who were killing themselves, killing themselves. And they did a great job. Per capita, New York, which had the worst situation in COVID, New York is number 11, John, nationwide in pro rata deaths in nursing homes. Number 11. Ten other states lost more people in nursing homes. You never hear anybody say that. And the real bottom line is uh, it was terribly painful for the families of the people in the nursing homes because it was a terrible way to lose someone. You know, no visitors were allowed in the nursing homes. Uh, So you didn't even have the ability to say goodbye. You didn't have the ability to go in and check on them. Uh, People were FaceTiming. They were talking on telephones. But the people in the nursing homes went weeks without seeing anyone. Uh, It was a terrible situation to lose anyone. Uh, and I've spoken to hundreds of families. And then and some families felt guilty that they had people in nursing homes in the first place. And then to hear, well, maybe mom or dad didn't have to die, and it was really a government blunder. Oh, God, that really makes it painful. It is not true. Everyone did everything they could. We had the best legal minds the best medical minds. We had the national health organizations, world health organizations. We had the best hospitals, which we happen to have here in New York. Everyone did the best they could, but COVID preys on the weak, and they were in the nursing homes. But this garbage, well, hospitals sent COVID people into nursing homes, and that's how it got there. Garbage. You know how it got there, John? Tell us. It walked in the door with the staff. When you went back and looked, because now we have hindsight and we can go back and look, you look at the infection rate in the nursing home, it's when the infection rate in that neighborhood went up because the staff of the nursing home were walking it right in the front door. Visitors may have been walking it in the front door. 
before we ever knew it was here. We had so many problems in our city. I mean, I know uh, uh, I was out in uh, in Long Island, and I used to come into the city three, four times a week, and uh, there were so many problems, uh, Governor. And the other question that they ask is uh, the uh, medical ships that uh, was Washington sent in. What happened with that? Ah, President Trump calls up, says, I have uh, two great things I'm going to do. I'm going to send a medical uh, military ship to New York and a medical military ship to Los Angeles. I said, great. Uh, The military ships then had to get to Los Angeles and get to New York, which took a while. Uh, And then the ship comes in the harbor, big front page picture, the ship coming in the harbor, uh, docks uh, on the uh, east side. And uh, I go down to meet the ship. I meet the uh, military personnel in charge of the ship. And they say, uh, I say, welcome to New York. They say, pleasure to be here. By the way, we can't accept any COVID people. They actually said that? Yes. <laughs> I said, oh. but, but, I mean, President Trump said them here on one condition. <laughs> I know, I know. They said, we can't accept COVID people. And they had this explanation that they didn't want to have to disinfect the entire ship afterwards. It would be too hard to disinfect the ship. So then we go back and forth. If they can disinfect the hospital, why can't you disinfect the ship? Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, This goes on for a period of time. Eventually, uh, I went back to the president, uh, and I said, look, uh, this ship won't take COVID people. And uh, they said, well, maybe take other people from hospitals and put them in the ship and then put the COVID people in the beds that they vacated. Anyway, uh, by the time they reversed themselves, and President Trump, to his credit, did get them to reverse themselves and said, okay, you can put COVID-positive people in the ship. By the time that happened, John, we didn't need it. We had built uh, Javits, if you remember, 2,500 beds. We had built emergency hospital beds all across the state, and we, we didn't need the ship. Uh, by the time it was actually cleared. Well, I'm glad we're getting that uh, uh, straightened out because so many questions on nursing homes, so many questions on the ships. Um, We're going to be taking a break. And when we come back, what's the other big question? The other big question, we once, uh, on my show, your lawyer came in, uh, a lady lawyer, to talk about uh, the accusations they had about you on kissing a woman on the cheek or touching her back. I mean, how can he, what kind of crap is that? I mean, you're Italian, I'm Greek. Uh, I'm 28% Italian, by the way. And we kiss everybody. We go to weddings, we kiss everybody. I mean, what is that all about? Well, John, again, you take the the politics out of it. Uh, The facts were there were complaints, complaints, the legislature insisted that the attorney general do the investigation on the complaints. I said at the time uh, that I wanted an independent person to do it uh, who wasn't involved in politics. The attorney general does a report, says there are 11 cases. That started a media feeding frenzy. There were never 11 cases. If anybody ever read the report, by the way, uh, the 11 women don't even claim 
uh, uh, all 11 don't even claim that they were harassed. Uh, but it was just a press play that started a feeding frenzy. And then, uh, especially the Democrats, oh, you're accused, uh, you should resign. Uh, and they threatened me with impeachment. The way impeachment works in New York is not like on the federal side. Uh, you're impeached, you step down immediately. Uh, and the lieutenant governor becomes uh, governor. Uh, the attorney general, a couple of weeks after I resign, announces for governor, surprise, surprise, uh, sends the report to five district attorneys across the state. These are Democratic, Republican district attorneys, upstate, downstate, no cases from the 11. No cases from the 11. Uh, so uh, that's that's the outcome of that. Look, uh, did I learn from it? Yes, because I did make a mistake. And my mistake was, you talk about a kiss on the cheek. There is a generational, cultural, political shift in uh, people's uh, belief in what are personal barriers and proper behavior. Uh, I knew it intellectually, uh, but uh, I was not I was not attuned to it uh, enough. I also had uh, made a mistake when I was at HUD, Secretary of HUD. I had a rule that I would never be alone with a person in a room. And people thought it was extreme. But I always wanted a second person in the room, whatever the situation was. Uh, And I started as governor. I always did that. Uh, But then uh, after a while, I knew everyone. And to have two people in the room sometimes is just totally wasteful. Uh, I should have kept with that. So you always have a witness, always. But I do believe there are people, women, who genuinely have a different sense of barriers and behavior. Uh, and I get that. I apologized for offending anyone. I never meant to offend anyone. Uh, your example, kiss on the cheek, that offended you. I'm sorry. I meant the exact opposite. I, I was I was trying to be nice. Uh, but if if you find it offensive... I apologize. And I understand it doesn't matter if I didn't mean are, to offend There are women uh, find it offensive if he didn't kiss him on the cheek. Yeah. But you know what? Don't kiss him on the cheek. Let's take a break. And when we come back, uh, we have 10 more minutes left. And uh, we have some more interesting stories to tell. Let's take that break. It's Andrew Cuomo, a nation in crisis on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Andrew Cuomo talks about the state of the city, the state of the state, and a nation in crisis. Now, here's Andrew Cuomo on 77 WABC. This is John Katzmatidis, and Governor, we are back. And there's one thing... Uh, that uh, we've noticed lately, it seems like there's politics in everything. Right. And uh, how do you see that? I mean, it, it looks like there's politics in in the Department of Justice and in everything, in schools, whatever. 
John, you're exactly right. Uh, take the topic we were just talking about, nursing homes. Uh, the president, President uh, Trump, was in the middle of the election. Uh, there were about a dozen states that had our identical policy uh, vis-a-vis nursing homes. As I told you, we were number 11 per capita in terms of deaths of nursing homes. But uh, did they go near any of those other states? No, because they were Republican states and they were playing politics. And at the Republican convention, he announces, I'm going to investigate New York, Michigan, New Jersey, uh, Pennsylvania, all Democratic states. Uh, Everything is politicized. On the justice system, I think when you politicize the justice system or create the impression, then people really lose faith in New York. And I think we end where we start, John. This notion that, well, conservatives should just talk to conservatives and Republicans should just talk to Republicans. uh, No. Let's get the truth out there. Let's get the facts out there so people can decide for themselves. And when you're only talking to yourselves... You're only getting one side of the story. Uh, And uh, if you actually want to get a real dialogue where people believe what they're hearing, you're going to have to have people talk to one another and open up those doors and open up those microphones and get out of your compartment and your safe parochial box uh, and hear other points of view and have the courage to do it. Uh, Governor, we only have a few minutes left, and and we have to do this again real soon, uh, and get. But what do we? Four hundred eighty-four thousand New Yorkers have moved out of New York City, New York State, and the budget is going up. Who's going to pay all this money? John, I think the city is at a tipping point. I think it's we have an urban crisis in this nation post COVID. People can uh, work remotely. They're doing it. They did it for years during COVID. You put on top of that uh, crime, homelessness, and higher taxes, you're going to see people continue to leave. And, uh, you know, we we grew up here. People retired and they went to Florida. Uh, COVID, remote work, is a semi-retirement. That's why we have to keep taxes down in New York and fight crime. we got to get those people back. Governor, uh Andrew Cuomo, thank you for coming in. Thank you for telling the people what the heck is going on in our city, our state, our country. And let's do this again real soon. Thank you. Thank Thank you, you. John. Thank you to our audience. And uh, God bless America. We need God's blessing. Thank you so much.